Welcome to the Twice Over Movies Podcast. If you're new here, check out our website at thetwiceover.com to get a better understanding of how we do our movie reviews. Our goal is to provide insight on elements of a movie which you consider more or less important so that our scores are never misleading. Remember to follow us at the Twice Over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and support us on Patreon. Yes, dictator of the world. We'll start with the invasion of Austerlich. After that, we won't have to fight, we can bluff. Nation after nation will capitulate. Within two years, the world will be under your thumb. Believe me, I want to be alone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Twice Over Movies podcast. This is your host, Faraz. And this is your co-host, Faran. All right, cool. So today we're discussing The Great Dictator. 1940 film starring Charlie Chaplin, and he also directed it. He also had a part in writing it. This is a movie that a lot of you may have heard of or specifically seen one of the scenes from it. The speech that he gives, it's like a seven, eight minute speech or so. I've seen it being shared on like social media so many times over the past few years. Uh, You can say it's somewhat relevant to like political and um, the geopolitics throughout the world nowadays. But this movie came out in 1940. This is before the U.S. got involved in World War II, but Europe was definitely already deep into the war and they were reeling from the consequences of it. Um, so far, and you chose this movie. You wanted to, to get this podcast started. Why did you choose this movie? Well, that's a good question. I, this is a pretty stark uh, contrast to the movies that I had you know, chosen previously. This is not about the cinematography for me, or it's not even how great the acting is. To me, this is a, this movie is about just importance in cinema and in the relationship of cinema to the overall, you know, to geopolitics. I can't think of another movie that's more brave for what it portrayed for the time that it portrayed it in. Actually, this was before the, they started production on this movie before the war, a week before the war. Like a week before, like uh, Germany invaded Poland. A week before he invaded Poland. Yeah, nineteen thirty-nine September. A week, or was it after? You know what? It was after. It was a week after he invaded. Uh, he invaded Poland that they started production. But he wrote it prior. He wrote all the the scenes, everything like that was written prior. It took them about six months to to produce the movie. Most of the atrocities that happened in terms of like the holocaust the extermination camps happened after this movie was even released kind of some people think that this was a call for the u.s to get involved in the war to get you know to start doing their job and um, a lot of people think that speech at the very end was directed to the u.s so we could talk about that more later but what it's been such an important movie or it's time most definitely. What you're saying, it's place in just cinema history. It's it's up there. So even if uh, it's not one of those movies that you watch uh, for entertainment, you definitely watch it just to get an idea of where cinema was, where it went to and where it is now, like to understand the progression of what movies are in society, in our culture and what it means. Absolutely. So in that regard, like this is up there and very, very significant. Absolutely. All right. So far, we'll get started with our scores. Uh, again, this can be a little unique because 
this movie is from 1940. But for me, I still kind of held it to standards of a, of a movie that I like to watch. So I'll get started. I think we can talk about acting first because it's pretty p- prominent part of the movie. And it's like everyone knows Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. as the actor. Yeah. So I gave it an 80 for acting. Most of this movie, I mean, it's all on Charlie Chaplin's shoulders. He's playing two different characters. He's playing the dictator and he's playing the Jewish barber. I agree. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he's a comedian. The, he's funny. He's so funny in both roles. Like, There's so many moments that he makes you laugh. Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely above average. Otherwise, the rest of the cast is just whatever. Um, there's a couple other people that have significant roles, but... No one's gonna, no one's gonna make you think like, yeah, this is a movie filled with great actors. Yeah, I give it the same exact score. Charlie Chaplin is obviously he's the highlight. Um, I think back then people just, I mean, supporting cast just didn't matter as much. <laughs> they were fillers. So his, this is pretty much all him. And this is actually, keep in mind, this is his first talkie. This is his first non-silent film. So really, it's his first. This one? is I his first. This is his first night in silent, which makes this way more impactful, right? So keeping that in mind as well, yeah, this is a. I gave it an eighty though because I'm 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 keeping these ratings just as if I was watching this movie today, and I'm kind of grading it to today's times, and so I still give it an eighty because when he is the dictator, the dictator, he does such a good job at satirizing the guy just making him look ridiculous yeah his his parody of it is good and when he's the barber he plays that role so beautifully as well so uh you can tell the passion is there for him to make this movie so i gave it an 80 all right cool so next i gave this writing score an 80 as well again it's engaging it's funny it's one of those things where whether this was written today or back then you would just, you would still enjoy the writing in this movie. I'm kind of surprised you rated it that high. I gave it a 75. I thought that yeah, there are I go back and forth on this on the score because I can go as high as 90. I can go as low as 60. You know, it's one of those same things. It's Charlie Chaplin is great. And everyone else yeah, not so much and actually throughout the movie for one of his characters he barely talks. So, I give it a 75. I mean, we're close. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. It can be higher if you just focus in on uh, I guess uh, like Hinkle, the di- the dictator, uh-huh. and like that part of the story. As him as a Jewish barber, like he's much more quiet. There's a lot more of his silent film, right? Persona being personified, right, right. All right. So next, we'll go with the photography, cinematography. This one, I give it the lowest because it's the most obvious part of the movie that takes you out of the movie, reminds you that you're watching this really old movie like you're watching a movie from 1940 so i give it a 60 yeah i uh you know i agree this is (laughs) this is where you really see how far cinema has come it's really cool to see um to be honest with you i gave it a 30 (laughs) jeez that is that is rough (laughs) well i'm comparing it to today's standards you know yeah that's fair i mean if that's how you're going about it sure um definitely not the highlight of this movie never really is too much for for Chaplin, his like you know, it's not like he uses the most beautiful sets and things of that nature. So thirty is my score for this one. Yeah, there's nothing that's gonna like you're gonna think back to the scenes and be like, oh wow, yeah, that was such a good looking scene. Like that never happens. Right. In fact, I think they use a lot of like stock footage, like when they're using or they're showing like these big massive crowds. Right. Like 
Well, it's I'm, very I'm clear sure. they are. Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, it's just stock footage from like some newsreels or something. Well, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit, where it could have come from. So the last one, we're talking about... Oh, no, it's not the last one. Sorry. It's uh, second to last. We'll talk about the story and the direction. Yeah, I give it a... Um... I mean, I gave it a 45 if we're talking direction, pace for today's standards. And definitely also not the not the strong point. The plot of the movie is just kind of interesting, which is what the whole movie relies on. But it's the direction is nothing, you know, that's it's nothing to really write home about. I agree that there's nothing to write home about. That's why I gave it an average score of 70. Like it's just <laughs> average. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, like the direction is, is simple. Again, this is another thing where you see how far cinema has come in these past 80 years or so, mm-hmm. is that like there's so much more complexity involved in like these stories and the plots and the general direction of like, you know, like nonlinear storytelling, this and that. But this is just straightforward, simple. I mean, it's easy to follow. The story is it's not uh, anything that's so engaging, but it is interesting. It's not like you get like really bored of it so mm-hmm. i mean i give it a 70 i thought it was average yeah <laughs> all right so i assume this is probably gonna be your highest score for themes and motifs it was for me i give it an 80 well so here's the thing we don't have a category for how important a film is so i kind of i kind of put uh you know combine that with this category for motives and themes and the motives and themes yeah, that's themselves fair. Are, i mean that's what it is right like that's one right. of those things that determine like the impact of a movie or exactly something. so i gave it a hundred because of uh, you know all of what we what we talked about and the fact that this movie is so timeless like you had mentioned that's very hard to do for a movie that is now what are we going on how old is this movie now like roughly 1940 70 80 years almost and it's still so timeless and it's still relevant today so i think it deserves a score of 100 personally um i can see why you would give it 100 cuz of your previous scores as well like for other movies, but I, I mean, I give it an 80 because again, it's it's good. It's above average. It's a bigger part of the movie. It's why you're watching the movie. It's what's going to stay with you after the movie. So overall, uh, the acting and the modus and themes are why you watch this movie. The other stuff, not so much. We're in agreement. <laughs> yeah, we're in agreement yeah, with that because yeah. my acting is also 80 and that's tied for highest in the categories. Yep. All right. So at this point, we'll Give it a spoiler alert. I uh, I don't think it's like a big deal if you haven't watched this movie. I think it's one of those movies, if you've seen it, you've seen it. And if you haven't, uh, you're probably never going to watch it because it's from 1940. But there is a story to this, so there is a spoiler alert. All right, Farn, so let's get to the movie. Is there anything specific you want to start with? Uh, we could talk about the history. This is, uh, like we mentioned, a really important film because of the geopolitics. When Hitler came, and I'm not a history buff, I just researched this stuff a little bit, and I don't know, maybe you can chime in too, maybe you did your research too. There was a propaganda movie called Triumph of the Will. I think it was in 1930. A propaganda German? Yes, Nazi propaganda movie. Gotcha. Called Triumph of the Will. I think it was 1934 or something, I don't remember, somewhere in that time frame. But it was a propaganda movie for the Nazi party in Germany, and in it, you know, a bunch of people give speeches, among them Hitler. And it shows Hitler youth and all this stuff. And um, Charlie Chaplin went went to watch that movie with some French movie maker. And the French dude was like horrified. And Charlie Chaplin was laughing throughout the entire movie. <laughs> and so, peop- you know, what, the, what people have written in, in these articles is that 
a lot of the scenes from Triumph of the Will actually influence the speeches that he the speech that he gave in the very beginning where he mocks the you know German uh, well the Hitler speeches. He studied mannerisms from that movie and he executed them to a T. So I thought that that was really interesting. Another thing is that they started production September 1939, like we talked about, a week after he invaded Poland. And when he invaded Poland, that was he violated a pact that Poland and Germany had, that they would not go to war with each other for 10 years. And that was in 1934, 1935, somewhere around that time frame. He violated that pact. And in the movie, Heinkel, who he plays Adenoid Heinkel, the Hitler analog, the dictator in this movie that Charlie Chaplin plays, he violates several treaties and contracts um, that he makes with other nations. And I just thought that that was just mind-blowing that Charlie Chaplin wrote this before he even invaded Poland, which was the biggest treaty that he violated. I don't know. I mean, did you, did you, uh, did you clue in on that? Did you, when he violated all those pacts, remember we, we learned in U.S. history, like, that was Hitler's things. He would just make a treaty and then he would violate it. I didn't know like the whole idea that he wrote this before that had happened actually. So that's pretty like, I'm sure like even today, there's a lot of people that are telling you what's going to happen, what's happening if we don't do something about A or B or whatever. And I just feel like the general public or I'm sure even back then, a lot of people when he was writing it, they were like, oh, you're such a you're exaggerating it. Oh, it's like, it's not really like he hasn't invaded anything, but then clearly he invades uh, Poland a week, like before they start the actual production of the movie. Right. But yeah, so like in the movie, he has this whole, he's going back and forth with the parody of Mussolini, right? right. Uh, the dictator of Napoloni. bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. Napoloni. So like they're trying to get a treaty together that neither of them will invade Austerlich. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, we we can. I mean, at the end of the movie, he does right. Right. Well, he has planned to do it. It's not him at this point. It's the it's a Jewish barber who people think is Hinkle. Right. But yeah. So like you say, like we remember we learned it in history class that what Hitler would do is sign these pacts, sign these treaties, break them, and then just show his power and might of like the German or the Nazi military, and like basically have the other countries submit to them. Right. So that's what a lot of the, um, that's what that, the dictator in this movie, that's what he does. And he's just, that kind of plays into the character a little bit where he's just, a, he's a man child. He's a, he, he just has all these tendencies, his childish reactions. He's got an anger management issue. He, um, you know, there's all these things that are just, how could this guy possibly come to power? There's that kind of idea. Not unlike what people think of Trump today. So, and yeah, and that's probably why he was probably laughing when he was watching that propaganda film with that, uh, with the French colleague of his, because he's probably just thinking, this is absurd. How is this guy a leader? It's so <laughs> interesting you use that word, him? absurd, because that's, that's the whole, all the comedy that is in this movie plays on absurdity. That this is, uh, you know, Chaplin said that if he had known like all of the stuff that would have that was going to happen afterwards, he wouldn't have released. He wouldn't have released this movie or even made the movie. Really? Why? Like as in afterwards being like the Holocaust and like everything that we find. Well, out? because because, uh, you know, it's satire of one of the most tragic events in, in history. Yeah. We're like laughing at something. And he did like at that time, he didn't know how. Right. But I'm kind of I'm really glad that uh, 
that this did come out way before all of that stuff because look we have this um i mean i is there's not another more tragic event in history that has had satire surrounding the you know surrounding the whole thing and so this is so and the way that he plays on uh, dueling personalities dueling char- characters that have you know that look similar but they're completely different they're different very opposite that was actually and i don't know if you you might have read this too chaplin felt that way with him and hitler in real life people had always made these uh, comparisons between them because of the mustache they kind of looked similar they yeah. they were both born i think like like days apart from each other and they both grew up in poverty they came to fame around the same time they loved the same exact composer of music they both loved the arts and so they were there were a lot of parallels between them um however they were opposite in the most fundamental way which is kind of their you know their view of the world their humanity their humanity and that's what happens in this movie with the characters the barber and the dictator are kind of like the good and the bad of the same person which makes it so interesting when the barber actually becomes the dictator in the end so yeah i mean that's just genius <laughs> and i don't even i don't know if he meant to, for it to be as genius but i'm sure it, he did it's just i it, that's such a it's such an intelligent it's an intelligent satire it is and it's just so impressive looking back at it and seeing how like correct and I mean, like, okay, so the movie, like I said, everyone, not everyone, most people who have even heard of this movie, they've heard of it because of that speech at the end, right? And that speech is like, that is a timeless speech. Mm-hmm. Like that speech can be heard forever going forward and it would apply in somewhere in, somewhere in the world. Right. I think right now people are hearing it or thinking about it more because of the situation in the United States, but it's, it's like it reaches down to like the worst in human beings, right? like what we can be. But then the speech is all about like the best in us and what's possible. And like, it ends on that really hopeful note. Right. And then he's like telling, um, you know, his love interest, Hannah to look up. Um, like it's going to be all, like, it's going to be all right. There's a rainbow, there's hope. Uh, can, like, can you hear it? It's out there. And like, she's just, uh, it's a, it's a great end to a, very funny movie. Yeah, it's very romantic. It's very romantic. Uh, it is very romantic. But I mean, yeah. look, movies back then, just they were. They're, especially American cinema. I mean, every movie was a, some romantic, idealistic kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. I, I don't think there were movies back then that were really ever made with, uh, or at least movies that had success. Right. That had like endings that weren't ideal. Right. So this definitely has that. So, okay, so we talked about the history and stuff. I was surprised when I was watching this how much I laughed in it. I have seen a few silent films of Charlie Chaplin's, and they're funny, and those are more or less 99% slapstick. But right. even in this, it's not even just uh, like slapstick comedy, but there's good writing with good jokes. Right. And just there's a lot of scenes that I, I was laughing. So I, when you said that... Uh, Charlie Chaplin had a had some regrets about making the movie because of um, how horrible the Holocaust and uh, World War Two and all that was. Like I can see why he's saying that now because there's so many moments in this movie that I'm laughing, but it's really like not a laughing matter of having like a fascist leader take over 
um, targeting minority groups, a, a religious group like the Jews. And then uh, I'm, I'm like sitting here laughing at the jokes that he's making or the, uh, the acting. But that's why it's ahead of its time. And even if it's accidental, whatever, it's accidentally ahead of its time because, you know, nowadays people will do that. They'll make satire of things that are just tragic. Not as tragic, granted, but they'll make, you know, they'll satirize anything nowadays. But Yeah, I mean, there's a whole business behind it now. Yeah. I'm like, half of Comedy Central is exactly. just political satire. Exactly. And so, but, but it's kind of, not I'm saying uncommon, but for it, a movie this big to be made at that time, yeah, I mean, that hadn't happened. And actually, it, w- it took, you know, when we see a movie, we don't think about what happens behind the scenes in order to get the movie made. It took forever to find anybody who would produce to who would produce the movie. He just made it himself. He couldn't get any funding from anybody to make the yeah, movie. Yeah, I read that that he was having trouble finding producers to back his project. And, and why why wouldn't he? Because the U.S. at the time was they were kind of uh, they were out of the war and they were just like they were everybody's trying friends neutral. trying to stay neutral. And there were actually some reports that they were like uh, they were not allied with Germany, but. They had supported them a little bit. Yeah, and there was a lot of German Americans who, uh, I mean, whether out of ignorance or what, but like they, there was a lot of people part of the Nazi Party within the U.S. at right. that time. So for him to, uh, that's what that that kind of ups the level of the comedy. It you take that, make it, you could put it in, a, you know, another movie in a different situation, and it won't be as funny as it is in this movie because of. The historical implications like when um i love the scene when they're in the plane and um you know though they're upside down in the plane yeah that's in just the very a, beginning yeah that's such an interesting scene to me that's a very that's like the first comedic well i don't want to say the first comedic but that's the first chaplain-esque scene that we see in that movie and it kind of paints this picture of these tomanians as like they're not very. They're not very smart people. He's already playing with the idea of this nation not being the, I guess, very you know, very bright. And there's a lot of that throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's like the first scene where you see a lot of visual comedy with like them being upside down, the water coming out, the pocket watch, all that stuff. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't like that guy that he's with. I mean, I think the whole point of that scene was to set up the story for that stormtrooper to help them out later right, right, yeah. in the ghetto. I didn't really see it as like, oh, he's showcasing like a potentially vulnerable like population that could fall for a fascist. Well, I'm, what I meant was that they're just, uh, just not, not like that they were vulnerable, but that they just weren't, he's kind of playing with the fact that they're not a very smart people. They have an eagle with nothing to back it up. Like when the scene right before that, they have that they're talking about this war machine and it doesn't even like it doesn't work yeah, yeah they set it yeah. off like and it's three feet yeah it's like a dud but you know and that's just an example there's like that kind of stuff all over the movie where he makes tomania you know he's he makes a, a satire of the entire nation kind of of tomania oh yeah yeah most definitely he is definitely satire uh like like the he's not just doing like a hitler or just like the leadership he's doing it of the country of the stormtroopers, like, uh, right. like I guess that's like the Gestapo. So he's he's doing it of the society as a whole for sure. Yeah. So speaking of that comedy, what was your favorite? What was like your favorite scene comedically? What was the scene where you were like you laughed out loud? <laughs> well, there was a lot of scenes that I actually laughed out loud. That's what I'm saying. I was very surprised that I did. Um, but one that's coming to my head right now 
it's probably when uh what's his like sergeant's name the one who is like his right hand man who like sets everything up oh schultz right no gar garbage 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 i think yeah garbage no, I don't know, man. It's one of the two. Schultz yeah, or there's Garbage? Yeah, the, the, there's a fat guy. No, who, no, no. Schultz was a stormtrooper. Schultz Sorry, you're right. Garbage, garbage. Yeah, Schultz was the guy whose life he saved in the very beginning. Garbage was the dude who yeah, was like yeah, his yeah. cabinet right, who right. he basically dictates everything. He tells yeah. everything, yeah. He's like the... <laughs> he's like his yes man. And right. And like tells him everything he can do. So he, he just tells him like, you're going to become emperor of the world. And uh, like of all the blondes. As a brunette. <laughs> right, right. He's going to get yeah. rid of all the brunettes. He's a brunette, but he'll be of all the blondes. And then when uh, Garbage leaves the room, uh, like, Hinkle is, like, you know, contemplating it and, like, getting excited about it. He's looking at that globe. Uh, balloon globe. And then he just starts having a moment with the globe where he's just bouncing it up, like, playing with it. He gets on the desk and like just uses his like butt to put prop it up. Uh, yep. Dude, I was just cracking up at that. That was hilarious. That is my one of my favorite scenes of anything of all time. Such a meaningful scene, man. It really is, man. It's so well done and it's so funny. And there's actually like meaning behind it. Yeah. Like you said, he's showcasing like what a child like Hinkle is. Yeah. Like he's just this, he's a little kid who's excited about this idea of ruling the world and he's like playing with this uh balloon right and it's just it's so outrageous it's absurd and it's funny it will it's even funny beforehand when he gets talking about it he's like <gasps> he jumps back so dramatically yeah. and he's yeah, like the excitement you make me afraid of myself yeah, and then he yeah, jumps exactly. across the room like he's doing ballet and he climbs the curtain oh yeah he climbs the curtain he's he just like sitting there, there. The guy's like, yeah. you will be emperor of the world. And he says, leave me. I want to be alone. <laughs> and then he just yeah, like man. slides down. He goes and he plays with the globe. This is why it's so iconic, that whole meaning. Because the whole, um, sorry, that whole scene. It's so meaningful because of the, like he's playing with the world in his hands. He has the globe. It's just, He's doing, He's he, he can do whatever he wants with it. He's kicking it. He's just, and then he, he's at times being like violent with it, but he's being playful with it. So he's just, he doesn't care about the consequences of what he's doing. He's just a child. He's, it's just that it's in, it's in his hands. He's happy. It's just a toy to him. He's yeah, playing exactly. with his toy. And it, that's kind of a statement against Hitler. That whole scene is saying, look what this guy is doing. He is, this is just fun and games to him. He doesn't care about all the lives that he's, ruining that he's messing up he's not doing it for the german people he's, he's not doing, doing it, it for the german people own right. satisfaction right he's just a curious child that's the whole part thing in that scene and it's uh it is it, that's it's such a that's even such just like a visually beautiful scene too because you watch the globe go up and then it comes yeah down he's actually go pretty good with it i don't down. know if they had it on a string or what but like yeah that was pretty good and i don't know if that was his one take either but that was one take, man. Think about the practice that that must have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm sure like that's that's probably like the stuff that Charlie Chaplin is just super skilled at, considering his background. Well, right, yeah. I mean, he's just an amazing. He's an amazing just physical comedy guy. His, his dancing is incredible. His his ballet skills are awesome. He's just a very gifted guy physically. Um, if you have not seen that scene, if you have not watched that scene, go to YouTube and watch. There's two scenes 
that, in my opinion, you have to watch. The Globe scene and the last speech. And then if you have time over, you can watch the Barber scene where he cuts the guy's hair to the music. But yeah, that's that was definitely a really... That was a hilarious scene. There was the other scene. Uh, you didn't mention it. Uh, I thought you would. You would is the one with uh, Napoloni and Hinkle when oh, they're yeah. having their meeting with the food. And again, you're just, you you got two ch- like children pretty much arguing back and forth. Yep. To the point, it becomes like a food fight. Yep. And <laughs> I mean, the comedy is great in that as well. They're children. That's the whole thing. Yeah. They're just children. But throughout the whole movie, like there's things like that that are slapstick. You know. It's cheap slapstick humor to us. Back in the day, this is what they had. Remember, because they're just coming out of the silent film days. This is what they had. Three Stooges wasn't all that different. It's funny when you first watch it, then it comes kind of cringeworthy, right? That is some of the comedy in this movie, but then some of it is just so clever. We can't even come up with that nowadays. The Globe being one of them. You know, cutting the guy's hair to the music was, the opera music was, the. I just thought that was incredible. It's fun to watch. It's, it's like actually fun to watch it. Yeah. And it just from like a very deep place, it makes you laugh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like genuine laughter that comes and you're, you're enjoying it, right? My, yeah. What my, a movie should do. Exactly. It's what, it's what a movie should do. My favorite scene of the whole movie is when he first, when we first see uh, Hinkle. And he's talking in German, but it's like fake German. And he's, yeah, it's a parody of like one, like he said, one of the speeches that Hitler right. has given. Every time I watch that scene, I watch this movie a dozen, at least a dozen. I'm so many times, I don't even know how many. Every time I watch this scene, I pick up on a new word that he's saying. Oh, yeah, English. yeah. He's putting in real words in there, like yeah. English words. Yeah, yeah. Like he's saying, we must tighten the belt in. Like you have to tighten the belt. And then here's one of my favorite quotes in the whole thing from that. He says, democracy. Stunk, liberty, stunk, freeze, freaking, stunk, like democracy, liberty, and free, free speech, free speech, stink. But then the yeah. translations that they give with them are they're hilarious. The translations <laughs> that they give very with them, concise. Yeah, because uh, my favorite translation is the one he gives for free speech. He says free speech is objectionable. <laughs> so there's little quotes like that here and there but so there's that kind of comedy but then in interspersed with that comedy are little parts of just you know just clever gold like when uh, he's talking to schultz schultz comes to save him and the guy uh, schultz says strange i always thought of you as an Aryan." he says well i'm a vegetarian like that's just so funny (laughs) that is just from a deep place that's funny but yeah, this is one of the, I mean, this is probably one of the first movies that combines comedy and drama and like a meaningful appeal to the audience and to the world overall to get involved and to kind of change the world. Yeah, it really is a, a statement, like a PSA almost like to the audience, like this is happening. You need to know, you need to do something about it. Right. Because we can't just let it continue happening. And if no one's going to stop it, it will happen. Because, again, like you said, we're dealing with men who are pretty much children mentally. And they're just doing things out of their own whims for their own personal satisfaction and disregarding pretty much everything else. And this is very much directed to the audience to be like, be aware, know this, do it, like do something about it. Yeah. So a couple of other quotes that I got from this movie, and um, I don't have much more to say after this. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. This is from the last speech. 
couple of quotes that I think will summarize that last speech pretty nicely, and these are parts that are really timeless. He says, more than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Still applies to today. No doubt. That's one. And then the other one is, he says, the misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. So both of these quotes, I think, if you, if you take them in light of you know, the world, the way it is right now, we have you know, stuff going on in Africa that we can't even imagine. You know, there's still, uh, you can call them still Nazi regimes all over the world. Yeah, um, like hardcore right wing, right? Anti-immigrant, anti-xenophobic, like all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and then you have people who just were doing mass genocides still, just as Hitler was doing back in the day. You have people who are so obsessed with when he says machinery. There are people who are so obsessed with production that they don't care. They no longer care about the conditions that people are working in because of their greed. Because of their greed, exactly. Speech. Exactly. So that's why it's so it's so timeless. And the same problems that were happening back then in the movie even are happening today. This whole the whole thing with the um, in the movie, the reason that Heinkel starts a you can call it a I don't know what you want to call it a social battle with the Jews is as a diversion because people are complaining about the conditions that they're working in. Exactly. Yeah. Basically to have like a scapegoat, right? Like hey, your right. problems are because of the Jewish people. It's not because of my lack of leadership or progress in our nation. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's very similar. It's, like this, it's literally the same playbook that is still used today throughout the world. Right. It's just to blame problems on an innocent group of people and say, if we got rid of them or if we just did this or that, it would be perfect. Yeah. And clearly that would... It wouldn't even be the solution to any of the problems. It's it's up there, man. Like this movie just it's relevant. The the best thing I could say about it is if you watch this movie, it would make you a better person. So just for that reason alone, you should watch it. <laughs> that's that's pretty true, man. Or it it should at least. I don't know. I would yeah. hope so. Yeah. So yeah, this is a pretty stark contrast to the movies that we've done, you know, that we've done so far. Obviously I prefer the first two movies that we talked about. But it's important so I think Yeah, but uh, you prefer them like from a, a movie perspective. Right. Not exactly. so much from like a life perspective. Right. It's important to I think it's important to get acquainted with some things that are from the old days that are timeless. And you know, this and the movie that we talk about next time, there are some gems out there. And um, I think it's important to recognize Chaplin and he this is not even his best work in terms of what makes Chaplin Chaplin watch his stuff in the silent films it's again it's timeless you i yeah, want he I, made I can, his name well before this and this for right. good reason because he's one talented person right you know there's controversy on whether hitler watched this movie i assume he probably did whether he would have admitted it ever or not i don't know what's the controversy well people are just not sure if he did or not he because he there you know obviously back in those days people they banned a bunch of movies that they didn't deem were appropriate this yeah, was but on it's that not like list. it would be banned for him. Right. So he used to have these private viewings of the movies, and this movie was on the list. And some people are like, there's there's some uh, some people say that he watched it twice, that he ordered this movie twice to watch. So it's even good that the dude it's that is mocking might have even watched it twice because it was that good. <laughs> that if good anything, for the time. He was, Hitler's, he probably was just like flattered that it was even made. 
Like, oh yeah, look, everyone in even in America. Well, yeah, think about think about the the guy that Probably he was. Just feed feeded his ego or something. Right. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't exactly. want to like think about what he thought. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about it then. We'll be back next week with something else. Sounds good. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you haven't already, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcast. And remember to support us on Patreon or by sharing the podcast with a friend. Feel free to contact us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Twice Over. Or email us at comments at thetwiceover.com. All of the music you heard is from Amerigo Gasway. Check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. 